Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we've got the chance to talk with Dwayne Stewart, and he's the Director of Prevention at Equitas Health. Dwayne is also an activist for the LGBTQ community, and we really appreciated him taking the chance to tell his story, an Equitas story, on our show. Unfortunately, during the episode, one of our mics was picking up some static that we couldn't quite edit out, but the content's still great, and Dwayne gives us a lot to think about, so... As always, we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that, though, we want to take a quick moment to thank some of our sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market, on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to his clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our last sponsor is Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Today on the show, we've got Dwayne Stewart joining us, and Dwayne is the Director of Prevention at Equitas Health. Established in 1984, Equitas Health, formerly AIDS Resource Center Ohio, is a regional not-for-profit community-based healthcare system and federally qualified community health center lookalike. Its expanded mission has made it one of the nation's largest HIV-AIDS 
LGBTQ healthcare organizations. And before joining Equitus, Dwayne spent some time as a journalist and even founded his own consulting business. We're really excited to have him here on the show today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Dwayne. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm really honored. Yeah, thank you for being here and thanks for taking the time at the end of the day. I know, you know it's tough sometimes to go and spend a whole day working and then have to come talk to us knuckleheads. But uh, so one of the places we like to start with this, Dwayne, is just talk a little bit about everything in your early life and career. So leading up from, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier from Columbus all the way to school and maybe some of the places you've been along the way that brought you to Equitas. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. It was a bit of a winding road. Um, what I sometimes talk and mentor students, and I typically tell them not to follow the journey <laughs> that <laughs> I took to get to my career, because um, it, was, it was a bit uh, all over the place. But I grew up, I did grow up in Columbus, literally lived mostly in Delaware, Ohio, the rural area of, of the state, um, in there, and really went to school for journalism. I got my degree at Ohio University, um, and my, I had, in high school, I was the editor of the school paper, and um, I saw all the president's men and fell in love with Robert Redford and was like, I'm gonna be a journalist, <laughs> just based off that movie. Um, and I always wanted, the goal was always to work for like the New York Times or something like that, but I always say to people, or you know, that, that famous quote is very true, tell God your plans and you know, he'll just laugh at you, basically. <laughs> so I um, went to the university, got my journalism degree, was ready on that track to kind of be you know, the next uh, Bob Woodward and a lot of my friends at the time started getting uh, diagnosed with HIV. And I was noticing um, this pattern amongst, especially black gay men at the time, that I knew that were just coming up, um, getting um, infected with this disease. And I was confused and understand what was going on and started asking around and started volunteering at that time, actually, at AIDS Research Center Ohio. And I was still a journalist, still doing my thing. But the recession hit and they laid off my entire department. So I found myself in a place where trying to figure out what to do next. So I was volunteering with AIDS Research Center Ohio and they started this new program called the Greater Columbus Empowerment Center that was really focused on um, addressing the um, high HIV rates that were at the time within uh, black and Latino gay males. And they were doing it in a very different way where they were creating a space, a safe space, where um, you were also doing community mobilizing, you were um, empowering young men um, and you know, creating space for uh, people who were kind of had been in bad situations to really thrive, and um, while also having conversations about HIV and doing education around sexual health. And so, there, this kind of social mobilization paired with HIV prevention hadn't really hap- been happening before. And so, I was intrigued by it, and I was already volunteering with the agency. And so, they hired me to run the program, to run the testing program. Um, and it, and from then, I just kind of fell in love with public health, and it just led to so many different opportunities. Um, I also just was a lot of doing a lot of activism work too within the LGBT community at the time, and helped start a group called Columbus Urban Pride, which was really a social group um, that really worked with Stonewall Columbus and other agencies in the city to create safe space for LGBT people of color. Um, and so I just kind of kept in that vein of community mobilization and community organizing, working with people around their around their healthcare and, and, and wellness within the LGBT community. Because when you when you think about people who have HIV specifically, um, right now in America, I, I always say the reason that we have not conquered the HIV problem is because of health disparity. It's because of um, 
not having access, people not having access to the medication or not having access to the care that's necessary because we actually have the tools to end HIV right now. We could actually end it tomorrow if everybody had the tools um, to, that they needed um, to eradicate this disease. And so I do a lot of work right now to, um, to give people access to that work. And that's kind of how, it was a long story, but that's <laughs> kind of how I got, got to doing that work. And that's got to be an extremely motivating vision to know that you could end it tomorrow if you had the appropriate tools in place. I mean, you have some people who are, you know, they're out there and they are fighting for cancer cureness, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not knowing any, any time when that vision is going to come to fruition or, or when that path is going to end. Um, and you graduated from, you know, Ohio University is one of the top journalism schools in the country, from what I understand. Yeah. What do you think throughout your journalism career and what you learned through that degree help propel you to, you know, your mission today and what you have going on? Yeah, that's a really good question. I still feel like, you know, I, I still, I still freelance, do freelance writing. I still actually, actually had a, used to have a podcast myself called Queer Minded that looked at, that dealt with LGBT um, news issues. And so I could, I, it's a passion. I could never let it go. Um, and it's, it's always something I've used in my career because really the work that I do is really about health promotion. It's about getting the word out there about the, about the the tools that I was telling that people don't have access to, and so really, miseducation is the is the main problem. Um, and so, through the communications and journalism work that I was doing, I now I feel like I'm able to effectively get messages out to the community um, through this type of work. And I think, you know, it's funny that you mentioned like the Columbus community. I haven't been here long enough to see that change when I got here. There's a very strong LGBT community. Mm-hmm. From your lifetime here, you've probably seen a lot of different variation there. How have we, how has Columbus managed to improve that, and where do we still have to grow, places to grow? Um, so, I mean, there's, I think, a bunch of different things. So, when it comes to the LGBT community, um, it's interesting. Ever since really the Short North was was kind of created, not the Short North that exists today, <laughs> but the Arch District that really kind of was thriving in like the early 2000s, late 90s. When that kind of created, I think it really solidified Columbus as like this this beacon of kind of hope for LGBT people. Um, actually, you know, they call Columbus, Ohio, the um, San Francisco, the Midwest, because everyone like from you know uh, middle of Illinois and Indiana and who are in Kentucky, and even people who are up north, they all kind of converge. Everyone who's kind of LGBT in those areas, in those small towns, converge and, and come to Columbus for safe haven. So um, I think that was the kind of the point of, of turnover, um, I think, for, that, for, for this space kind of becoming um, a safe space, a safe haven for LGBTQ people. Um, when we're talking about HIV, um, it's really interesting because you know when you think about HIV from a national level, the when I started working in HIV, I think the annual infection rate was around seventy thousand people um, a year, and then about five or so years ago, um, it dropped to fifty thousand people a year being infected with HIV, and now we're at thirty nine thousand people a year. And so there's just been this trend downward, which really shows that there's been a lot of great work happening by activists around the country to really um, deal with this uh, issue, but it's also happening in Columbus with the work of Equitas Health and some of the other agencies in the city, kind of there's a real mobilized effort that um, that the Columbus Public Health Department here in Columbus really helps lead to kind of organize all the organizations that do this work um, to make sure that we're doing that education, we're in the schools, we're um, talking 
toward making sure that HIV testing is accessible to everybody. And we've also seen those numbers trending downward in Columbus as well. So let's talk about and jump into Equitas Health. How did you first discover the organization and what motivated you to get involved? Yeah, so this is actually my second time working at Equitas. So the first time was when they started the Greater Columbus Empowerment Center. And I discovered, I'm trying to remember how I even discovered them. That's a good question. I Like I said, I remembered a lot of my friends were being infected. I knew somebody that worked there. That's what, how it happened. Because um, I was asking a lot of questions around at the time, trying to trying just to put my finger on the pulse of what was going on. And someone said, have you heard of AIDS Research Center? So I, and I wanted to be, I wanted to help. And so I started being, I was started as a volunteer HIV testing counselor there. And they trained me to, 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 to take a, do an HIV test with somebody, get somebody their results, and, and do all that. And I was doing that. I was actually still working at the newspaper I was working at. And then in, in, um, on weekends and some evenings, I would go to the ARC, is what we call it, um, to do testing, to help just do testing. Um, and that's how I initially found out about it and got involved, really just because I was noticing the epidemic um, and wanting to help. And how did things grow from there? So they hired me to help run this new and exciting testing center, specifically for black and gay men, uh, black and Latino gay men. And I did that for about three years. And we were very successful. Um, the program um, kind of became this really the safe space for young black gay folks. And then I started working. Then I was hired with the Columbus Public Health Department to be their first LGBTQ health advocate. So it was the first time the mayor and the city of Columbus actually put money into LGBT healthcare. Um, and it was a very, it was very exciting, a big, kind of a big deal at the time. Um, and so I kept, clearly kept in touch with um, ARC, but really moved into a space where I was talk, really working around all LGBT health. So if you look at the statistics around, LG, around just LGBT people and health, You'll, you'll notice some trends, like not only are there high HIV infections, there's high cancer rates, there's high diabetes rates, there's lots of, um, there's high um, uh, smoking um, rates, um, alcohol and drug um, issues, and, and mental health problems. And, and the reason all of this is, is because of something called minority stress. Mm -hmm. And so when, um, the, and People don't, I don't think you really know this, but this, you know, this discrimination and prejudice that exists, exists in our world actually makes people unhealthy. Um, and so I was studying, being, I had the opportunity to study this and try to create, work with the city of Columbus to create plans and programs to combat these issues. Um, and so we created a program called the LGBTQ Health Initiative, and we were going around training doctors on how to um, be more sensitive to the needs of LGBTQ people. So I really expanded my work to kind of doing lots of preventative health issues across the spectrum for LGBTQ people. Um, and then I went to Boston to work for the, the largest LGBTQ health center in the world called Fenway Health. I was their director of community affairs, um, really went out there to do work in the, HIV, the HIV research side. I had done prevention and I always knew that our, what we were doing in prevention was coming from somewhere. Right, and I wanted to kind of learn where where was where were all these interventions coming from? Why were these important? And so I was able to kind of go to the other side, kind of where they kind of create um, a lot of the work that we were doing, and learn so much in Boston. Um, but then I got a call from my good friend Peggy Anderson, and she said, "We really need somebody to help 
um, rebuild our prevention department in Columbus. Um, and so they invited me back and it was very hard to leave Boston, but you know, uh, my dad says, if you're going to leave somewhere, you know, leave on top. So I did a lot of great things and accomplished a lot of great things there. And um, when Peggy called and I had the opportunity to manage a department and affect some change on a larger scale statewide, as opposed to just a city, um, I, I said yes and came back. Do you think that experience in Boston, like were there any particular pieces that with Fenway that you picked up and said, hey, this is something I'm going to use when I go, or were you even thinking that far ahead? Yeah, um, you know, I, I actually, the plan was never to come back home. <laughs> um, There's that plan thing again. <laughs> yeah, right, that, right, exactly. But, um, but when I got home, that's the first, all I was thinking about was all these great progressive things that were happening in Boston that need to be happening in Columbus. And this is, this is I think, simply because we're the Midwest and things are a little slower here. On the East Coast, you know, they, they're creating these, what they call express te STI testing clinics, where you don't even have to talk to a doctor. You just go in to a booth, you, you know, you can do self-collect your specimens that need to be collected to get your STI test, put them in a tube, it goes up to the nurse, and then they text you nine minutes later with your results. You know, I've got a real chlamydia, syphilis, all the STIs, the big ones that we talk about. Um, you know, and people here can't even really fathom that that kind of um, you know technology. Like I showed people a video of that um, type of testing center here, and they were like, "Oh my God, that's like this Jetsons of the future." <laughs> and so, um, imagining the tubes right. and the Jetsons is exactly what I was just <laughs> right. Gone. And so I, things like that, I feel like. You know, we, I think it's for me, it's all about giving people, empowering people to take control of their health. Um, and, you know, they're doing it in so many innovative ways in Boston that I really would love to bring back here. What are some of the key initiatives that you're working on at Equitas right now? Very, very good question. So there's a couple of different things. So I mentioned earlier, we have the tools right now to end HIV. I really, you know, I really 100% believe that. And I think the reason that we're not able to get there is because of health inequity. Um, and, 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 and access to these tools within marginalized communities. So there's something called U equals U, which is undetectable equals untransmittable. Actually, the medications that someone who's HIV positive takes, if they take, them, take the medication every day, they reach a level of what's called undetectable, where the virus is so low in their system that um, they can't pass it on to somebody else. And so if someone who is HIV positive is taking their medication every day, they literally can't pass the virus. Um, and that's news, that's science that's um, recent, that came out a few years ago. U equals U is a real um, great way to have a conversation about reducing stigma within HIV communities. Um, you know, for a long time, a lot of people were HIV positive. They felt like they didn't deserve love. They couldn't have sex. They couldn't, people, nobody was going to love them because they um, were HIV positive. And this U equals U completely crushes that, that stigma. Also, there's a PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's a once-a-day pill you can take to prevent HIV. Um, and if you're taking it um, every day, you um, effectively can't contract the virus. So if you have U equals U and you have PrEP, and these tools are kind of getting out to the community, then you basically stop HIV. And so my the job is the work that we're doing at Equitas right now is getting the word out. One, we have a new campaign called um, uh, this is the last generation. It's called the last generation of HIV, um, and we do testing initiatives. We do events around the city. Um, really, 
do a lot of work to make sure that we're infiltrating into the community to make sure that these messages are out there um, so that we can stop this um, virus in this, in this city. And it's interesting, like you, these things you mentioned, like you, because you're like, I'd never heard of that. And it might just be because I'm privileged and I have a privileged background that I haven't heard of it. But it also might be that the word's not getting out like it should. Is there, yeah. like, so do you, do you think that that's something, like, how do we get messages like that out? Because I think that's something that if more people knew about, there'd be a lot more calls to Congress of, like, hey, what, like, what's going on? Right. Right. Why isn't this available? That's true. I mean, I don't think I've cracked why, you know, this isn't getting out there as much um it's a I, I i think one of the main reasons is a lot there's the misperception out there that hiv is dead like hiv is no longer a big deal you know at you know back 20 years ago at the oscar they were always wearing the red ribbons like it was always a part of the conversation like people were talking about hiv it was in the news um now that's not the case anymore i'm trying to think the last time it was majorly in the news I think was like was Charlie Sheen when he came out as positive. Um, uh, so it's I think that's the main reason. It's not it's not you know flashy. It's not all over the place anymore. Um, and so the conversation isn't a part of the mainstream. And so and also it's definitely not in schools. I mean, Ohio we still have an abstinence-based sex education program, um, which is crazy, but. Um, you know, and I think that's also where it starts because we're not having this conversation in the school systems. Um, you know, people don't know when they go to college what this information is. Right. And you see a lot of evidence all the time constantly coming out of places like Sweden, Norway, like European countries yeah. that have like really, really strong sex education in, in middle school and high school that, hey, teen pregnancy rates go down, HIV rates go down. Like it, it, it just makes sense. It's kind of disappointing to know, like in Ohio, we're still kind of behind the ball on that one but what are your goals for the next three to five years with Equitas and, and it can be related to you know the continuance of their program the prevention program or also things we were just talking about like getting getting the word out more and getting more awareness yeah for me I think over the next three to five years um, so right now we got we have about over a little over a thousand new infections a year in Ohio um, I would like that to at least be cut in half in the next three to five years. And I think we do that by getting these messages out to the community. They've, and they've done it in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, they right now, they have about a little over 500 new infections a year. And they used to have like several thousand. Um, and because, well, they also have a great you know healthcare system, but that's a different <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, so people, the 94, I think 94, 96% of people in Massachusetts have healthcare, um, have health insurance. So we don't have that in Ohio yet. <laughs> um, but I think it's really, for me, it's going to be about mobilizing across the state, really getting these messages into marginalized communities that need it most. When you think about the, most, the people who are most infected by HIV, it's people who are of color, it's LGBTQ people, people who are um, dealing with this opioid epidemic, people uh, who are low income, so people who are um, typically considered marginalized in our community. And so we have to do a lot more work to reach those communities. And I think, um, so over the next three to five years, I'm gonna be focusing on um, this campaign that we've started called the um, HIV and Racial Equity Campaign, where we're gonna be really having conversations, mobilizing around the state to discuss how um, we break through the kind of marginalized wall that exists when it comes to HIV um, and really breaking down barriers. Because it's when, when people who need it the most 
get these messages, that's when we're going to start seeing these numbers go down. What does the team look like at Equitas today? And then, uh, you know, how can people support the, the entire organization? Yeah, there's um, about 400 staff across the state at Equitas, 400, 500. We are in about, I think, 16, 17 sites in 16 cities throughout the state. Uh, my team, the prevention department, is about uh, 40 folks throughout the state. Um, what does that look like amongst those 40? Is it, you know, are there different roles? And I'm yeah. Guessing, like, what are they? We, we so in our, in, uh, we do, again, we're trying to be, strategic about how we focus our efforts towards people who, who are most affected. Mm -hmm. So we have a team of folks um, uh, called, our, we have our different different programs that are focused towards different populations. So there's a program called Mosaic that's just focused towards the transgender community that works with the transgender community specifically. We have a Project Inc. program that works with gay men specifically. Um, and we have a, um, a program uh, um, called SafePoint that works with people who are dealing with the opioid epidemic. It's our syringe exchange program. It's actually the only syringe exchange program in the city. Um, and so we, those are some of the different teams. We have a team in Akron that's focused on MSM work. We have a team um, in Dayton who's focused on, and MSM means men who have sex with men. Sorry, that's industry language, <laughs> um, age, you know, internal language. Um, but gay men, basically, gay and bisexual men. Um, and in, in Dayton, it's the same population's focus there. Um, and uh, African-American women is a big focus in Dayton also. Um, so that's kind of how our team is kind of broken up, just really focusing our efforts toward the um, communities that are most affected. But um, I've missed the second part of your question. How can they support the organization? Yes. Um, important one. Yes, very important. There's actually several ways. So we're always taking donations. Um, you go to our website, equitishealth.com. Uh, you can always donate. We are always looking for volunteers. Um, we're looking for HIV testing volunteers. We're looking for people to help volunteer at our different events, to volunteer in our medical centers. And Equitas Health is more than just, I've been talking about my department a lot, <laughs> it's more than just prevention. We have three amazing health uh, medical centers around the, the, the state. And what's exciting, and we also they also have pharmacies. And so because we're a federally qualified health center lookalike, if you go to our pharmacy, a, a, a major port, all, most, most basically a majority of the profits from the pharmacy go right back into the medical center to actually helping make sure that for someone who can't afford the, the care um, can still get care. Um, and so actually when you're using our pharmacy, you're donating back to the community. And so to those types of things, we also have our AIDS Walk Ohio is coming up on April 13th. It's um, basically the largest AIDS event in the state that happens every year. And it's a big fundraiser for HIV AIDS service organizations throughout the state. So April 13th, April 13th, April 13th, <laughs> come out and support. Um, I think we're at Bicentennial Park downtown. It's the you know it's a huge event. You, if you go to AIDSWalkOhio.com, um, you can donate there as well. Okay. And that'll that'll all be linked up in the show notes, everybody. So if you want to check that out, check it down below, right there. Easy link. Click on it. And uh, I think Dwayne that's a good place kind of turn towards one of our last questions of the yeah. show. And it's really centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that as our phrase or what we think behind it, what do you think of when you hear that phrase and, and how does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, that's um, really, I love that phrase. It's because I, there's a phrase that I often use when I'm doing kind of mentorship work in the community um, with young folks, especially young queer folks. And that phrase is always live courageously. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes to that same kind of sentiment of um, what you were just saying. Cause you know, especially I always say, if you are 
a, a LGBTQ person, if you are a person and a person of color, you um, really have to live courageously in order to really thrive in this society. Um, there's so many places that discriminate. There's so many people who um, don't understand. And so you, ha in order to live authentically every day, you have to live courageously. And so that's what I think about with that, with that phrase. Hey, that's a really great way to think about it. And, and Dwayne, we really appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and Equitas Health story here on the show. Thanks for tuning in or joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and Conquerors, thanks a lot for listening. That was Dwayne Stewart. He is the Director of Prevention at Equitas Health. And if you guys want to learn more, support the cause, go on April 13th to the, uh, the AIDS Walk Ohio. Check it out down in the show notes. And again, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here. And that's going to start with FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And our last sponsor is Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to join like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes, participate in large-scale volunteer efforts, and improve educational opportunities for youth in our community. To get your small business involved or to learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Finally, if you've ever wondered what it takes to start your own podcast, we're here to help. We're putting together a podcast startup package with our recommendations and some of the key lessons we learned over the past two years of podcasting. You can sign up by heading over to our website, conqueringcolumbus.com. And while you're there, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook and be sure to subscribe and share Conquering Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. You could drop me anywhere on the planet, in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.